Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone out there in the podcast universe. This is the We Don't Know Sports podcast. It is 2019. Let me be one of the first to wish you a happy new year, but by the time you're listening to this, I'm sure I'm not the first. Anyway, we have a pretty crowded show tonight, and we had some news that came up right at the stroke of midnight with the news of Dana Holgerson departing West Virginia University for the University of Houston, uh, which was a uh, odd situation to say the least, but not completely unexpected. So we discussed that to a great length, along with the coaching search that is now following the departure of Dana Holgerson. We did a little bit of conversation on some college bowl games, some things going on there, uh, national championship game, uh, you know, predictions, along with the wild card games coming up this weekend. And then we took a look back on what we thought the biggest moments for us personally were in 2018 and one big thing we have to look forward to in 2019. So thank you for tuning in today. This is, again, the We Don't Know Sports podcast. Hey, everybody, just a quick reminder to let you know we are out there on some social media platforms. We're going to fly through it real quick. On Facebook, you can find our Facebook page. It is the We Don't Know Sports podcast. We're also available on Twitter. Our handle on Twitter is at We Don't Sports. You can find us old school on email. The email box we use is We Don't Know Sports at yahoo.com. You can also call us at 1 900 976. Never mind, that's an old number. We don't use it anymore. But we did want to give a shout out to the company SoundCloud for hosting our podcast, making it available on iTunes and Google Play and other various platforms. So we appreciate the listens. Whether you like us, dislike us, hate us, want to see us all burn in hell, let us know how you feel. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everyone. It is uh, 2019, and I got Canadian Biggie and Mr. Brown. How you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. Doing well. How are you, Chad? Well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's the new year because I can lie to myself about all the things I'm going to do different in 2019 and pretty much quit trying to do anything different by, uh, you know, next week. But that's just the way it goes. So you're not really a new year, new you kind of guy? Uh, no, I'm the same sad, pathetic person I was uh, yesterday. Yeah, I hear you. We all are. I'll tell you who may not be. And uh, it's what, what kept, well, before I even get into too much, what did you, Biggie, what did you do last night for New Year's? Well, in central Canada, we watched the ball drop at 11 in uh, Times Square and then we go to bed. I hung out with my kids and my sister's kids and had the uh, fake sparkling wine and toasted and went to bed. Okay, so you do like a fake New Year's because of Central Time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's awesome. Mr. Brown, uh, I don't think you made it to New Year's. Is that right? Yeah, I was out by 930. I just happened to wake up to take a piss and got to see the ball drop, and then I went back to bed. Yep. So I, I actually did make it to New Year, um, but my evening consisted of watching the movie Bird Box uh, because that's a thing, and I just got tired of seeing all the memes online, so we decided to watch it. Uh, it it's all right, you know, nothing, nothing crazy, uh, but you know, it was a way to fill time for the evening. And as the ball dropped, I was sitting on the couch looking at my phone, and God. You know, I, I swear I knew it was going to happen. We were talking about it on our web page yesterday, and Dana Hogerson decided to leave West Virginia for Houston. Now, that being said, nothing official has been signed yet. I understand all that, but the multitude of news outlets that have reported this is, uh, 
you know, by the many. So it, it's definitely a, a deal that's done as far as I can tell. And you want to talk about a fan base divided. There are so many different angles people are taking on this. You know, to me, as a, as a diehard fan, it's kind of a kick in the nuts to lose your coach from a power five school to a group of five school. Um, but having said that, it's, I believe, $4 million a year guaranteed. Yeah, what did they say? Like five, five year, $20 million deal? Yeah, so it's not like he took a pay cut. He's getting a raise. There was nothing set in stone for two or three now, years from now, contract wise, at West Virginia. He coached there before he became a head coach. He's got a ton of ties in the Texas, Oklahoma area. So for him, Houston's that school that's always mentioned as they will get added to a Power Five conference ahead of even a UCF or a Boise State because of where they're located and the amount of talent that is in that area. It's it's a good move for him, as much as I hate to say it. It's you know, yeah, it, I, uh, I mean, I think you're right. The the big three schools that constantly get mentioned for that Power Five thing would be, I think, BYU's in there, Houston, and then Central Florida. I think Boise State just geographically probably falls behind those three a little bit. But they're not a power five yet. I mean, God, that hurts as a fan base, right? Oh, yeah, it does. It is it is a uh, it's just a gigantic slap in the face. We like to sit here. Myself personally, as a Marshall fan with a sister, or with a was as a West Virginia fan with a sister who graduated from Marshall, and give her crap how their little brother and one of our former coaches coaches them, and the guy who coaches us went to coach the same level. You know, it's. But he was not a. At least he was not a head coach. True. Oh, for me, it's it's tough, and I hate it because he adjusted how he was going to build the program from the way he came in the first year. He was going to be. Uh, Part of the staff, he wasn't supposed to be head coach. He came in and was kind of tops turvy. He did the best he could with what he had, and he really endeared himself to the state of West Virginia with uh, how he was as a person, his son, his family. I'm I'm gonna miss him. I know some people are. Well, oh, see you later. Everything but, you just said, people will tell you the exact opposite is the case. But I, I mean, I know I'm not living in the state anymore but i just from what i see and what i read that's that's how i feel mr brown you glad to see him go or or uh, you wish you would have stayed i mean here's where i'm at with it i mean you, you look at the numbers you compare him to don Nealon at this point in his career they're almost identical um you know and how be- beloved don Nealon is around here but like for me i mean i can't say we could do any better at this point because we haven't proven we can uh I can't blame the guy because there was nothing set in stone here for his future. So, cause we never, we, we didn't commit, you know, that we're going to give him that big extension, you know, right. Is that correct? Well, I mean, that's, that's what it all came down to. So let, let's, um, you know, I, I'm going to give you some of my takes here and just, you tell me if it makes sense to you or if you disagree or not. So I think this all kind of started whenever Oliver Luck left and, and we got Shane Lyons in there. <laughs> So you already have an athletic director who didn't hire the head coach, right? So, so you're a, you're an athletic director. You always want your own guy. I mean, I, I I can find more examples of that being the case than the other way around. 
So then we had a what was it in I I can't remember the exact year, 2015, you know, he was coming to the end of his contract and he had that lame duck year, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so he's sitting on a lame duck year and he pulls out a, an amazing season with Skylar Howard and wins 10 games. You know, so so now what did he do? He bought himself an extension. Now some damage was done to recruiting there because no one knew, you know how easy it was for other schools to sit there and say, well, he's not going to be there. He's getting fired. They won't even give him a contract. So fast forward to now, and, and like, let's be honest, this past year should have been the best year that he had. I mean, he had all the talent. I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about Will Greer or not, but with him at quarterback and the rest of the team, this is the best best roster he's had since he's been there. This was definitely the year he could have uh... – Use the talent there to take it, you know, at least to the uh, – everything would have went right. He would have went to the uh, the championship bracket there, but that didn't happen. You guys feel free to cut me off because I can ramble on this crap forever. Uh, and I'm, well, not, I'm not trying to steal the spotlight here. When you look at, uh, you know, his decision to leave, we were picked to finish second in the Big 12 this year, and we finished for fourth. And what Dana admitted was his best team we couldn't finish the deal were over for Oklahoma the last four years and uh when you look at it his contract it's 2020 or 2021 expired he was at 3.7 million this year so he's taken a three hundred thousand dollar raise to go to a school a group of five like if you look at ucf the last couple of years boise state years ago those really good group of five schools their ceiling is going up and the thing about going to Houston for him is that one of Houston's big boosters is uh, the owner of the Houston Rockets, President and, Landry Corp. That and he loves over, he loves Dana Hogerson. He's the one hiring him. Yep. So <laughs> you're going to a school where one of the big boosters you're kind of chummy with, ton of money. You're getting a raise. You've coached there before. Uh, and they're on that cusp of he could be coaching. As sad as it is to say, I feel like going to Houston, he has a better chance to coach in uh, one of these New Year's Day Bowls or Group of Six Bowls than he does at West Virginia. Because if you go undefeated at Houston or UCF, you're getting in. And that's a big payday for the school. I think that, uh, like you said, for... Dana said same kind of thing, you know, a head coach in the NFL gets hired a couple years later. There's a new GM. Maybe he's a good coach, but it's not quite the right fit. One AD hires you. He moves out. Another one comes in. He kind of wants his guy, which is another reason why I think that some of the names that get floated around, you know, that are associated aren't necessarily going to be uh, interviewed or hired. I, I just, I just can't uh, – it, it don't surprise me at all the way it broke loose. I mean, the the rumors and all that started swirling that quick, and then they wanted to interview him, and boom, you know, they're announcing he's going to there. But I, I, I can't say I blame him, honestly. So it's at the point, can we do better or can we not? I mean, we got some candidates that will be talked about, but, you know, it remains to be seen if we can do better than Hogerson right now. Well, this is what has to happen. Is we have to we have to find somebody that can keep us united as a fan base, because if you go back, you know since Rodriguez left, you know we were divided on Bill Stewart. 
He was hired in a hotel room after a big game. Emotions were running crazy. Let's be honest. He was a the fun, best speech ever. Best speech ever got him a job. <laughs> Mr. Brown, yeah. That speech could get me to run through a wall, but I, I unfortunately mean, it got him hired. I'm, I also think he stole most of it from Remember the Titans, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the, uh, he, sold, he sold it well. He did sell it well. He owned it. It was like a good cover song. <laughs> the 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 things about Bill Stewart, I remember going to games and watching someone people paid money to fly an airplane over the stadium saying fire Bill Stewart. That yeah. was that was half halfway through the first year. And and the thing is people want to talk about the record, but you know, I watched those games and we were lucky to get the record we had. We had superior talent. We were playing in the watered down big east. You know, one of the things that, like, you can talk about how we've won, I, I think, five Big East titles or six Big East titles, but we we only had one in the 90s, you know, when Nealon was there. Rodriguez, uh, you know, tied for one in 03 and then didn't win the rest until all the big boys left the conference and we were the only big boy left standing. And, yep. and then Bill Stewart comes in and divides the fan base because – you know, you have people like Bo- you have boosters out there like King Kendrick saying, "I wouldn't hire a painter to build my house." You know, and, and I understand that, and I was kind of in that school of thought too. I had a fire Bill Stewart blog. I mean, I was ready to see him go, and it wasn't anything against the man. It's just that he would call a timeout at the end of the first quarter because he thought it was almost halftime. You know, here's my thing with uh, Bill Stewart that just kind of sums up who he was as a coach for us. You get hired as a head coach, and our offense is humming with a, you know, a speed option quarterback that lives mainly off of uh, his legs. You decide you're going to make him a passer. It, I don't know. To me, that that just summed up who he was as a person, a coach. You know, hmm, this is running really well. Let's change it. My favorite thing about Bill Stewart was there was a press conference where he's getting railroaded for this game. And I think it was the Colorado game. If you remember those games, they were brutal. And and he's at the podium, and you hear him. It sounds like this. He Ask me about special teams. Ask me about special teams. (laughs) He's he's whispering to Tony Caridi. Everyone in the room can see it. Like he's trying to get the the subject to where he can talk about some. Because every other question people were asking about the game, he's like, yeah. I'm just a good old boy from New Martinsville, West Virginia. And, and you know what? I love Bill Stewart. I do. And, and I'm not trying to rip on the man, but he just wasn't right to be a head coach. You know, he had early, early opportunities in his career for that. There's a reason why he was an assistant for 30 years. And, and that's yeah. just the way it was. Um, and, and so, so then Oliver Luck becomes our AD and, and completely botches that situation, brings in Dana Holgerson as a coach in waiting without, you know, really consent from the head coach who's Bill Stewart. That thing turns into a dumpster fire. Now we got questions about Bill Stewart's character and Holgerson's coming in and within the first first few months he's in an altercation of the dog track and cross lanes and and is just you could not screw that situation up any more than he did. Yeah, I will say don't cut a guy off. He's gonna get mad. <laughs> he just get hired as a teacher of Flagship University. You let him drink and do what he wants to. <laughs> hey. When that happened, I thought to myself, 
Now, right there is my coach. <laughs> he's, he's down at the dog track hitting Jaeger bombs and, and pounding the Red Bull with it and all that good stuff. But regardless, the fans were divided because he's an outsider. He's not a West Virginia guy. We just went off of – Don Nealon wasn't a West Virginia guy, but he felt like it because he was there for so long. Rodriguez was a West Virginia guy. He went to school there. Bill Stewart was a West Virginia guy. And now all of a sudden we bring in Dana Holgerson – and in a lot of fans' eyes, never had a shot uh, to earn any respect from them out the gate. It's just the way it was. And, you know, I, I, would, I would admit he had a lot of gaffes in the first couple of years. But uh, what Biggie mentioned earlier, man, he grew on me after a while. When I would see the videos of him and his son, you know, doing stuff in the backyard, and he's got the giant West Virginia, you know, built into the hillside there. His, his son goes to a, to a public a public high school in West Virginia. And you see the coaching trips on the new river doing the whitewater rafting and stuff like that, um, or skydiving or whatever it was like, he felt like he came around. And, and honestly, for the last few years, I never felt like he was at a risk to go anywhere else. Now, maybe that was be uh, because he didn't perform as well and he wasn't getting plucked by a Michigan or somebody like that. But I felt like he was our guy. Well, what's funny though, you kind of touched on it, though. Some of our, I'm not saying all of our fan base, but some of them. I saw a tweet earlier, and it was like talking about uh, the job requirements for our next coach. You know, he has to hunt and fish. He has <laughs> to be born in a holler. He has to eat nothing but pepperoni rolls and piss moonshine, just to name a few. Uh-huh. So that's like some of our mentality is that, like, because we don't want no outsider in here telling us how we're going to play our football. No, and, and that'll and we'll get hit the coaching search in a second. But you're absolutely right. You, I mean, the the social media aspect of college football is insane. It blows NFL away because people go crazy for college sports on there. And the one thing I, you know, I'll say, and I, I don't want to paint our entire fan base with a broad brush, but man, we got some disgruntled people out there, and they're loud and they make a lot of noise. Well, mm-hmm. let me chime in on that. I mean, the thing is. Unlike a lot of areas, you know, you have some down south, it's the same, but in West Virginia, you know, we got the opioid situation, we got the, the job situation, there's not, not a lot of good jobs, so I would challenge anyone to tell me something that brings our state together, all classes, you know, more than West Virginia football. It brings us together. So we, we all care, care so strongly about it. We want it to do well. We're going to have different opinions. Because we're all like, you know, backseat coaches, but we all wanted to do well because you could walk up to a complete stranger if the game's on and all of a sudden you're buddies. Oh, absolutely. I, now, the, the one fans I almost, you know, disregard right away are the ones that we shouldn't be paying a coach over a million dollars. I'm like, you know what? You don't understand college football. If that's how you feel, don't watch the games. But, but the ones that just want to rip every, everything apart right now and like, like they, they don't even appreciate what what Holgerson did over the last eight years. And look, I, I'm going to be the first to tell you at times he underperformed. And, and like, I'm on the fence about how I feel about him leaving because honestly, you all three of us know this, and most people who even pay attention to football know this. He was going to get fired after next year. There's no way he would have came in and won more than four games next year with what he had coming back. Yeah, and see, with them not making a commitment to him at this point, it's, do you willingly leave and that contract at Houston is is a sweet one? Guaranteed. Or do you that contract was become, guaranteed. Yeah. 
I mean, and that that was the sticking point with uh, Lions is they wouldn't guarantee it. And I don't know if it was he wanted the whole thing guaranteed or what. Um, but if, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm with Lions on a certain degree there. Do you want to be like Louisville, who's paying Bobby uh, Petrino thirteen million dollars to not coach there? I do feel like that. You see some of these coaches that are longer tenured, like uh, Kirk Ferentz at Iowa. I mean, Iowa hasn't been good every year, but he's a good head coach. They've stuck with him through ups and downs, so he'll build a program that uh, competes at a higher level for two or three years, and then maybe they're down a little bit while he's recruiting and developing. So there's two ways to look at how you proceed with a coach. And I definitely would not want to be stuck in that Louisville situation with a guy like Petrino uh, when it completely just falls apart. Well, let's move on to the coaching search. You know, we, we put a we put a poll up, and we we only put two names on there, and, and we just talked about the mentality that Mountaineer fans have about wanting one of your own. And, and honestly, you know, the the former players right now that I can think of that are coaches, I don't think you want like nothing against Quincy Wilson and Pat White. They're doing their thing. But, you know, Pat White's a one-year offensive coordinator at Alcorn State and Quincy Wilson's the head coach at West Virginia State. That's, you know, not even relevant. You know, it's just, you know, so that outside of that, who else are you going to go get? So everyone immediately, immediately goes to Tony Gibson. Give Gibby a job. He's a West Virginia boy. He's the man from Van. Well, what's crazy is I read a lot of the current players and former players are like, they're like, you know, campaigning for it, which is crazy to me. Well, they they did the same thing for Bill Stewart. Right, they did. I mean, I, I'll never forget Pat White standing on the podium in the Fiesta Bowl. He should be our next coach, you know, calling it out. And, and players are going to do that because that's a guy that's been with them through thick and thin. They they love their coaches or they wouldn't be there, right? Right. So, I mean, Gibby doesn't have a chance though, right? I don't think that he does. To me, other than being from West Virginia, what has he done in the last few years that qualifies him for a promotion? Well, and that's that's why Shane Lyons isn't going to hire Gibby. So I hate to tell everybody this who wants Tony Gibson to be the next football coach. You know, one, you know, I haven't seen enough from him on the defensive side of the ball to show me that he's that elite type of coordinator. And two, Shane Lyons has already said he wants somebody that's got prior head coaching experience. That's one of the criticisms that Dana had to, had to learn and grow through when he first got here because he was a coordinator. He was the hottest coordinator in all of college football, and he got here and he never knew how to be a head coach yet. You know, he didn't have that experience, and he, he jumps in and he made some mistakes. I mean, I, I could potentially see him sitting, him sitting him down for an interview, but probably just a formality at this point. That they're they're going to do that. You're exactly right. They're going to do that to make half the fans out there feel okay. Well, they gave him a shot. Gibby just turned it down because he didn't want it. He just likes coaching defense. If they can get those fans out there to say that, then that's a home run for the administration right there. Yeah. All right, that, what's what's the other big homegrown name you've heard out there? I, I don't want to say it. May, don't make me say it because I don't want it. But there's you'd be surprised how many people came out of the woodwork and, and want this guy back. Well, before we name the name, before we name the name, I'm gonna tell you um, some some requirements for him to come back. Okay. Name the requirements, and I'll name the pl- the person. No, don't name the person. Don't name him yet, but on our podcast page, some requirements are for this coach to come back or come here would be to uh, 
live in a shed that has no water, no electric, and a knife. He needs to eat and prove his mountain air worthiness and be allotted $50 a week and then also limit his side chick uh, per year. Per game. Per game, sorry. I mean, you know, the school would be protecting themselves with that contract. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't think anybody with that with, with any sense out there wants Rich Rodriguez back, do they? I don't. I feel like we went down that road once, and the way that his uh, coaching career has burned and died, he'd just use West Virginia as a stepping stone again to try and go coach somewhere else. I don't really like that either. I mean, I feel like it's ran its course already. I don't. I think it would be absolute madness if, if they would hire him for whatever reason. But I just I think we need to start with somebody younger and uh, see what we could develop, like an up and coming coach. Mm-hmm. Like everybody keeps saying like, "Well, Cleveland, welcome back, LeBron." You know, this isn't the same situation because you know LeBron's the best player hands down today, and Rich Rod never won anything, so. It'd be like kind of similar if Saban coached here, left, and then came back. I think we would welcome him back because we know he can win. So, uh, I mean, yep. Yeah, that's how I've ever said it right. <clears throat> to me, that's the difference. The, the, the thing with me on Rich Rod, and I, I'm critical of a lot of college coaches on this, I, I think a lot of – and this is what I worry about during the coaching search. A lot of the young guys, you know, are they really good coaches or are they only as good as the quarterback they had? And I think with Rodriguez, and nothing against Rasheed Marshall, I love him and he did pretty good while he was here. But that elite level that everybody remembers that we accomplished was, one, after all the good teams left the, the Big East, and then we had Pat White step in and, and played for us for four years. And he made Rich Rodriguez look really good. All of a sudden, it became a lot easier wearing the wristbands and calling the plays on the sideline when you had him in there at quarterback. I mean, he goes he goes somewhere else, and, you know, Michigan, he got ran out of town for not getting along with the boosters and not being able to, to play, and Greg Robinson was a terrible D coordinator. And Arizona, we all know how that, that fiasco ended. Here's what I worry about on that same point you made about the hot young coach is that uh, – Memphis with Paxton Lynch had a really good year. Frank Beamer left Virginia Tech. I can't remember the name, uh, head coach's name right now. Fuentes? Uh, Justin Fuente. Went to Virginia Tech. Uh, first year decent. Virginia Tech, what was the record this year? Six uh, and seven? Uh, yeah, because they lost their bowl game to Cincinnati. And their first losing season in how many years? I Now I know they made it to a bowl game. I'm just making that point. A coach from a school that was on the map for a season or two with a really good quarterback got the job and really hasn't lived up to the expectation of what you thought he would be. I hope we don't end up in that same spot. Well, it's, it's great that you bring that up of all stories to bring up because one of the guys on the uh, the list is uh, Mike Norvell, who is the current coach of Memphis and has pretty much maintained where uh, Fuente left off. Um, so what, how do you feel about him? Is he somebody that strikes your fancy? You get excited when you hear the name Mike Norvell? <sighs> no, because I think it's Scott Norwood and we're just going to lose every close game now. That's He's going to miss everything. Wait. Okay, that's a terrible justification. It's not the same name, but I, I accept that. <laughs> it, it sucks because uh, a lot of the guys that we're going to end up interviewing aren't going to be names that are familiar to a lot of us. 
I I know that some of the guys are going to be closer to the program over the years. I just, I don't know. I mean, it's tough. When they hired Dana, he had a good track record of running offense and felt comfortable. He saw what he did on the offensive side of the ball. Um, this is the first time since Nealon left that we're really searching for a coach. I mean, here's my thing with Norville. He's already making two two and a half million, and so he's really in no position to try to rush things. He might be waiting for something bigger than us, and then he might. I've read that he might not even want to go to like West Virginia area. It's like out of his comfort zone geographically, so he might not even be a good fit. Well, he he's a Texas guy, uh, and his coaching career. I mean, he was at Pittsburgh for a hot minute um, when Ty Graham was there. Then he followed him out to Arizona State. Until uh, he left mm. to, to go to Memphis, so I mean he, he's got a little familiarity with the area, not a lot, but he's a he's he's a Texas guy. He went to school at Central Arkansas. Um, you know, he he hasn't won a bowl game, but he's at least won the conference title two years. I mean, but if you're making the money, you you can afford to be patient. Well, I mean, and and I think he is. Was he the highest paid? Um, I think he was the highest paid Group of Five coach before. This Holgerson story is that is that correct? Is anybody remember seeing that? I'm not sure, but two and a half seems like a lot for a non-power five school. Uh yeah. I mean, I I I I'd almost put money on it, but I can't remember. So all right, so no, nobody's that excited about Norvell, or you might feel okay about him, but you're not you're not feeling like he's going to be at the. Are we even going to interview him? You think? I don't think we will. <laughs> it depends. Does he want to interview with us? We're kind of. <laughs> In this, like we're uh, hey, we're power of five. We're West Virginia boys. When they line up at the door, we just had a coach leave to go to a group of five school. Yeah, well, so. they, yeah, we, we do <laughs> have really sell it at that point. No, it's a, we're we're gonna get you that next job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh, one name that I heard, and I think it was just put out there simply because we're a power five school, and he's done well. Is uh Josh Heupel at UCF? Doesn't his, isn't his buyout like ridiculous though? It's like ten million. Oh my god! I don't I don't know what booster is going to write that check because in West Virginia those boosters don't exist. I'd say he's safe to stay. Yeah, I, I think he's not going anywhere. Um, my you know my my favorite one I saw was I've seen uh, Bill Cower as a rumor. Uh, that's on the internet all over the place. Have you seen that? That's got to be a. That's got to be a meme. That can't be real. <laughs> so, well, I, I mean, I don't know. They already had him wearing the Mountaineer hat and shirt. It looked real to me. If it's on the internet, it must be true. Uh, as far as you are correct, uh, he gets $1.7 million a year, and they put a buyout contract in the initial contacts, contract saying if he leaves before their 2020 bowl game, it's a $10 million buyout. So... See, that's what's happening when you do these guaranteed contracts with people like that. If you're going to guarantee somebody's salary, then you're going to guarantee they're not getting bought out. I mean, it's a good move. All right, so a couple names that, that were out there I saw reported that don't excite me are Bill Clark. Uh, he's down at UAB. He's 50 years old. He's only coached for nine years. Uh, you know, it's a great story. He's down there for UAB as they resurrected their football program, but – I, I just – I'm not feeling it. No. I like what he's done down there, but kind of like we were talking earlier, I I would rather go young and somewhat inexperienced than old and somewhat 
inexperienced. It's 50 years old with a record of 25 and 14. I'm going I'm to do a hard pass on that one. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, I think he was – the reason why, he was a high school coach in Alabama forever. Um, all right, so then we got uh, Seth Luttrell out of North Texas. Uh, that's where Dana Holgerson's son first uh, committed to or secondly committed to. Um, he's uh, he's making a, a cool $1.2 million for North Texas. Didn't know they had that type of money. Uh, he's 23 and 17 down there. Uh, he's, uh, you know, went to school at Oklahoma. Um, been at Kansas, Texas Tech, Arizona. Uh, so he was he was with uh, Rich Rod there a little bit. And then uh, Indiana, North Carolina, then finally to North Texas. Isn't he from the Mike Leach coaching tree? Um, Mike Leach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His uh, he was a GA a grad assistant at Kansas, and then his first three years he was the running backs coach for Mike Leach. Yeah, that's about all I know about the guy. What do you know about him, Biggie? Uh not a whole lot. I uh, I'm sorry. You guys were talking, and I I had a different my, uh, name on my mind. <laughs> I'm gonna so, I'm, so, I'm gonna throw out there. Um. I'm glad you're paying attention to us talking about people. That's nice to know. So let, let's let's get to the real heart of the matter and hear who's on your mind. No, I'm sorry. I was listening to you guys, but it's cold outside here, and then I don't, I don't know. Um, you, you, hold on, hold on. You're standing outside in Canada right now. How cold is it? Well, I'm inside right now. It's uh, negative 26 wind temp or wind chill. Oh, what is it? The wind, the wind starts picking. That's what gets it. Uh, so you're I'm saying you're you're saying it's pretty miserable. Yes, yes. I uh, question each day why I live here. All right. So is uh, it is it the North Dakota coach or the South Dakota coach you're about to mention? No, it's somebody who was uh, mentioned as a possible head coach for us years ago before we hired Bill Stewart. Oh, it, it, it's not. It's not. He doesn't have a famous daddy, does he? No. Okay. Who you got? I don't know. Maybe his daddy's famous. Remember who was coaching at Cincinnati? He waited until after they hired Bill Stewart before we signed his extension there. Oh, no. We, we, I think I've heard that Lions has already come out and said, stay away from Butch Jones. Okay. And I, I just kept, brought that. I kept, I kept seeing stuff about him, though. Was listed, uh, I mean, for me, he's a good recruiter, but he don't execute on the field. Uh, he was garbage in Tennessee. Exactly. We don't want no yeah. part of that. I, I want no part of Butch Jones. Okay. He's a dynamic recruiter, but he's a shitty coach. Exactly. All right. I think I think the two front runners, the ones I, I've seen uh, reported, is you, you really have two, and I would put money on it that it's going to be one of these two guys. At least that's who will offer. They might turn it down. Who knows? Luke Fickle, who's over in Cincinnati right now, he's an Ohio State boy. He's got ties to Gordon Gee because he ran the program whenever Trestle set, stepped down before they hired Urban Meyer. So he's got a little bit of love going on there. He hasn't been a head coach very long, but, you know, they were 4-8 and eight last year, and then Cincinnati, you know, just beat uh, Virginia Tech in a bowl game. And then the other one is you got Neil Brown uh, down at Troy, and I, I don't know how he's still at Troy. Well, he's won uh... – 10 games, three straight seasons, and they beat, uh, didn't they beat LSU like 
Last year before year. last. I think it was last year. And then last. Nebraska this year. And Nebraska, yeah. Well, Nebraska sucks. I think that. Uh, yeah, they do. Adam, did you all not see me. the report that uh, he's actually uh, accepted the job? If, I mean, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but there's rumors going around that they've already offered him the job. Really? Yeah. I, I know that he was. How would you feel? I, I've heard he's been the front runner, but that's all I know. Would you guys like that hire? If it was. We got done here, and you looked it up, and Neil Brown had signed a uh, four-year contract to be West Virginia's next head coach. How would you feel? Well, he's uh, he's kind of a guy that – man, when you go 35 and 16 at Troy, you're doing, you're doing something right. Everything I've read is uh, around, the, around the league is why is he still there, and they were kind of shocked that, like, Kansas is hiring less miles and there was somebody else, but – they're like, why wouldn't you pluck this guy from there instead of hiring these retreads? I mean, we might get lucky where everyone's hired the retreads that he falls to us. I, I, mean, would, I, would, uh, I, would, I would be fine with that move if that's what we got. I would be too. I mean, he's won 10 games the last three years. Yep. A- a- am I able to throw a name out there from our podcast? Or is, is that frowned upon? Uh, yeah, I don't care. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out later. Well, I'm gonna. Uh, you can edit this if you need to, but I'm gonna throw a shout out to my boy Breed Love because he he mentioned this like 12 hours ago. Uh, it was his first choice on there, so he said Neil Brown without hesitation, and now the stories are breaking. So he may have seen it before anybody else. There you go. He's nice. pa- he's paying attention. So so um, what about we we? So we're all we're all kind of pretty good with Neil Brown, uh, Luke Fickle. I'm not. Uh... As big on Luke Fickle as I've heard the names that have come out. Neil Brown is, to me, he's the sexy pick. He's the one I think that could be the guy. I think Luke Fickle. It, I don't think he's a bad coach. What was he? He was the one-year interim coach when Jim Trestle left before Urban Meyer came in, right? Uh, I don't even think he was there. All year. He was there a year in between. That's correct. Okay. So. Oh yeah. So, and he's got some experience on. On a big time level, um, I don't think that he would be a bad fit. Prior head coaching experience turned around the Cincinnati program. Um, if it were between Neil Brown and Luke Fickle, I think that uh, if we could get Neil Brown, that would be a better hire. Now Neil Brown's more of an offensive coach. Luke Fickle more of a defensive coach. Does that matter to you? Well, it, it to me it matters. I don't know about, about you or Mister Brown because of the conference that we play in. I don't see us uh, rolling out. Of defense that holds teams to 17 points a week and winning 20 to 17. No, I agree with that, but I some, mean, sometimes I wonder what it'd be like if we could try, though. Maybe we could be different, like like be the only team in the conference that like focuses on defense and see what happens. Yeah, we're gonna focus <laughs> on the defense and run the wishbone. God, that could be really good or really bad. Hey, man, Army almost beat you know, Oklahoma. Yeah, and then Army destroyed Houston in a bowl game, and that's why they, they had a job. See, that's um, what we need to do. And here's the thing, though: whenever you get rid of a coach, sometimes don't you want to just go in a completely different direction? Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Instead of that offense, which lost us a lot of games, you know, 38-35, that kind of thing. I mean, we played defense where we can get off the field on third down, and I'm not losing my mind when we give up third and 11 after third and 11. You think that's bad, Big? You see it live, and you'll lose your mind. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how oh, you can walk out of the stadium after that. Just I'm telling, I'm telling you, after Kyler Murray, there were several third downs long, and we're, we've got him closed out, and all of a sudden he breaks 
off like a 25 yard run. You're like, where did he, where did that come from? Did, 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 did you watch, I mean, did you guys get a chance to see, uh, well, I, I want to switch gears to that, but real quick, let's close out the coach thing. So do you guys feel like it's between fickle and Brown? Cause that's where I'm at. I would agree to that. Right. So would I. Here's my prediction. I want Brown, but we're going to hire Fickle. Watch. Oh. That's oh gonna, that'll, that'll be the West Virginia thing to do. We're going to hire it, Fickle. Is that going to be Gay just flexing his muscles saying you're taking him? I'm saying it is. All right. I, I, the, the power move, you do what your boss tells you to. So. All right. So we will, we will see this story as it plays out. But anyway, you were mentioning Kyler Murray. Um, I, I, I know, Mr. Brown, you watched most of that game with uh, Alabama. Uh, yeah, I watched it. Uh, if, if they wouldn't have fell asleep the first quarter, it would have been a ball game. I mean, they, they played hard till the end, and it was close, I mean, as, as it could have been. But Alabama, hands down, man, they just, they're going to be tough. I mean, Alabama, I've been saying all year they're, they're not going to lose a game. Uh, I, not that that's like going out on a limb. I can't get any credit for that because they're just an unstoppable force that everyone can see. But, you know, I, I remember we had an argument with uh, – Mad Mark in the man cave, and it was, you know, he said they wouldn't even score more than 10 points on uh, on Alabama, and they ended up scoring, uh, you know, what, 34, and I just said they would score at least 30. So, you know, I, the thing, the, the question I wanted to ask isn't how great Alabama is. Did he prove, did Kyler Murray prove that he was the Heisman Trophy winner, or do you feel like it's somebody else after that game? No, he put up good numbers. If you look, if you, even though they were playing from behind, if you check the stats, he had a hell of a game. So I mean, like, and that was against Alabama. So he didn't throw a pick. I don't believe he had like two or three touchdowns passing, and then one rushing and over a hundred yards rushing too, almost three hundred yards passing. To me, that game proved both why he was the Heisman and why he had such an opportunity to win it because. He didn't play a bad game, but with like 13 minutes left second quarter, they're down 28 nothing. All year long, that defense has been so bad, he's had to put up 45 in those numbers. Whereas uh, Tua, who was the other main uh, runner for Heisman, didn't play a whole lot of fourth quarters. To me, I thought Murray, he played his heart out it, late in the game. He gets hit up high, helmet gets ripped off. He's out for one play, right back in, takes him down the field for a touchdown. I think he solidified himself. I know there's people saying otherwise. Uh, well, the other argument's Tua, right? They say, oh, look, look at Tua, because he played a great game. He did. He did. The, but the, against the that defense, a lot of people played a great game this well, year. It's not even that. To me, when you're watching the game, you felt like Kyler Murray was the team. He had to put everything on his shoulders and do everything he could to make it work. And he almost did. I mean, they if they recover an onside kick there at the end, maybe maybe it's a different story. Or like you said, if they didn't come out, you know, with the deer in headlights at the first quarter, it'd been different. But Tua, as great as he played, it never felt like he was carrying them. You know, no. I, I mean, they they were running the ball five times, five yards a, a pop without even trying. Tua comes out in that first pass of the game is. 50 yards. I don't know about you, Mr. Brown, but I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, that's kind of what we saw all year long. It just it seemed effortless, and then boom, touchdown. I mean, for me, he's still a Heisman. I mean, hands down. I mean, Tua has way better surrounding parts than uh, Murray did. He had to just do it all on his own. But, uh, 
I mean, and I'm telling you, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I'm telling you that he's not going to declare for the draft. I'm telling you. You don't. You think he does declare for the NFL draft? I think there's a good possibility because I think it was like a 3.6 or 4.6 uh, that he would have to cover as far as million for a signing bonus. He's going to get more than that guaranteed for his rookie deal. So to me, he's young enough he could do it, and if it don't work out, he could still go back to baseball. Well, you know, if he doesn't declare for the draft, he'd be the first Heisman winner since Charlie Ward not to at least sign an NFL contract. So I and Charlie Ward had a good uh, NBA career. I bring that up because he could go be the number one pick, play pro football for three years, have it not work out, and like you just said, still be a good baseball player. I mean, I don't think he'd go number one, but I'd say he'd be a, a first-round pick for sure if he wanted to be. Yeah, and I think that's what it comes down to for him is where would they say, well, you guaranteed to go no lower than 10 or 12, because then he knows what money he's getting at that pick. I mean, I, I'll, I'll say this too. I saw some of his clips uh, from the baseball side, and uh, he obviously steals a lot of bases. His swing, um, it didn't impress me too much. I mean, I'm not so sh- That's the scary part about baseball is he'd have to make it through like two or three years of minor leagues to have a chance. And if, if all he gets is that signing bonus, he could be done. But if you get your rookie contract, it's guaranteed he might make 20, 25 million, and then it's guaranteed. And then, you know, that's going to be better. It's, you're playing the NFL right away. How long has it been since he's played baseball? He played. I thought he played this spring. I don't know. That's, I, I'm not sure. I didn't know if he was just yeah, playing. Just the clips I saw was from him playing at Oklahoma, and his yep. swing. His swing wasn't. I mean, it didn't impress me a lot. I'm not saying he couldn't make it, but he just didn't seem like, oh, this is a can't miss kind of guy. Just being honest. Now you bring up a very good point because if he spends two or three years in the minors and he has an injury or a setback. And never makes it to the majors. Uh, I don't think that at 25 or 26, all of a sudden, somebody's going to sign him to a good NFL contract as a quarterback. Not that he couldn't get a contract and try to uh, work his way in, but when you look at the NFL and guys that move like he does right now, if you get into the right system and you're Patrick Holmes throwing the ball over the field, how he's going to make millions upon millions. I mean, I'm telling you this right now. I think he's better than Lamar Jackson, and look what he's doing. Yeah, but that's, that's only going to last for about a year. Yeah, but still, yeah. it's a craze right now. <laughs> <laughs> We've been through this before. It happened it years ago. <laughs> yeah, defense wasn't as good as it is. I don't. They wouldn't be able to play quite that way. I'm just waiting for Lamar Jackson's not that big. He's going to get popped and be done for. All right, sorry, yeah, we're getting off topic. What's what's not, next? That's not off topic. We don't. We have no topics. There's no. There's no dirt sheet here. We just talk crap. You know any any other any other bowl games worth uh, note? I mean, I, I know Central Florida did not beat LSU today, so that's uh, that means they're back to the kitty table. I, that was my uh, forty uh, point game. I picked uh, LSU. I, I've been saying it for a month that uh, UCF idiots for hanging that freaking banner i got the drum defeated but you haven't played anybody and yeah. they lost today to lsu's second string defense and they even played an offensive line on defense because they were so short and they still beat them 
<laughs> yeah. The, the, here's here's the thing for me when when you're talking about these teams, you're you're right now it's UCF. In the past, it's been Boise State or whoever it is. It's not an indictment of the team or the program because this stuff changes every year. I'm not hating on UCF as a school at all. If they would have played a couple teams that were a little better and they had the same record, then yeah, they have every right to make that argument. But to go through the record, the schedule they did, it's not enough. It's not enough at all. And you have people that are saying that, well, Notre Dame got shellacked. They didn't deserve to be in the top four. Well, you're only saying that because they played Clemson, and it's clear that Alabama and Clemson are the best two teams in all of football. I heard somebody making an argument that LSU should have been in there. They were be- Alabama's done whip them. Alabama's done beat Georgia. We don't need to see that. Give give teams that have earned the opportunity a shot there. Central Florida didn't, didn't earn the shot. You know, now right now they're going round and round with Florida about, you know, they wanting to do a home and home. And, and you know what? When you're Central Florida, guess what you got to do? You can't take a home and home. You got to do a two for one. And then get rel- yourself on the mat. Get, yeah. get in there and then relish in the fact that you beat them in Gainesville. And that looks like a bigger win. Well, I mean, you said you weren't hating on him, but I, I kind of am because you ain't beat nobody. Don't hang a freaking banner. You're bringing unnecessary attention to yourself, and then you get your ass kicked. People's gonna look at you and go, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but yeah, I guess the reason why I'm not hating on him is because I'd probably do the same thing. No, we don't give out participation trophies. We had that discussion before. It's it's yeah. not. It's like being a starter in the Pro Bowl and just the three people that were selected ahead of you decided not to play in it. Oh my god. <laughs> Chad Mark, you're disappointing me. Alright, my all I'm saying is if if they if they went undefeated, but their non conference games were Florida, Utah, and you know, Missouri. That'd be better, you're correct. Yeah, you I, I can make that argument for them. You know, I, I know it's a little over the top with the rings and the banners and all that stuff. But if you're that school, man, tell me that doesn't help your recruiting a little bit. Yeah, you want to build your national profile a little bit. And and like UCS defense used in some of these other schools, the bigger schools don't want to play them because it doesn't really benefit them to win. It only benefits the smaller school to come in there and uh, win in why why play UCF when you can pay uh, Troy or someone else seven hundred and fifty grand to come in and just beat the hell out of them? I'll say this: <laughs> I, I would say that UCF is the most hated bowl team this year behind Alabama. <laughs> I, I also did put forty points on LSU beating them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But it drew, me, it drew me closer to Biggie. I'm only trailing him by a little bit now, but he's still probably going to win the ball challenge. I had Ohio State at 40. I just didn't think there was any way possible that Ohio State was losing in Urban Meyer's uh, last game for this time. He's like going in and out of retirement like Michael Jordan right now. I uh, The game was over, and here's Urban Meyer. It's like he just sat down in the makeup chair, and Tom Rinaldi's right to interview him. There's no way. That's a 40-point game. What was the final on that one? Washington was down 28-3, came storming back, lost 28-23. Oh, it was close. I, they, yeah, they were, they were killing them. Yeah, they were crushed. Washington just blew up in a fourth quarter, kept fighting, kept fighting. 
All right, so what what about Texas Georgia? This started first quarter and scoreless. What's the predictions for that game? I think Georgia beats the ass off of them. I have no prediction for score. I just think Georgia destroys them. Like at least by two touchdowns, at least. Uh, I would say three. Texas is first and go on the go right now. They just See, scored. Actually. Texas just scored. Texas mm-hmm. is back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Biggs? I got Georgia beating them by a couple of touchdowns. I think that uh, – I don't know. I think Texas is overrated. They're better than what they have been, and they're still building and uh, going in the right direction. But to me, Georgia, like last year um, when they were in the in the playoffs this year, they're that one team that's the bully on the block other than Alabama. The only way that Texas, to me, is competitive in this game or pulls off an upset is if some of them Georgia guys are like, damn it, we should have been playing for a national title, and eh, who cares about this game? I mean, that's what I was going to say is they're either going to be upset because they've been tweeting about this the whole time that we should have been in the tournament because how bad Notre Dame played and how bad Oklahoma started out. They're either going to be pissed off about that or they're going to come out and absolutely just beat the brakes off of Texas. Um, But to me, they're obviously the better team. It's just are they motivated to play today? Agree. Win your conference. That's all I can say. There you go. I, I would love if the playoff committee, if they would put in a stipulation that you have to win your conference. Yeah, but they won't because then if Alabama loses in the SEC championship game but they're undefeated, they're not allowed to bring Alabama in. Well, guess what they should have done? Won the title. I mean, you know what? All the coaches say it whenever they get pissed off that – you know, they they get beat out by a second SEC school or when um, – who was it? The, you had Michigan State or whatever. The I can't even think right now. But you, you've had all these opportunities where you've had plenty of people make those arguments. And I just put it to bed. Win your conference. It makes – you know, people say, oh, well, the bowl games and the playoffs don't make the regular season as important anymore. Well, guess what? you got to win your conference. Does that make it more important for you? Yes. Hey, can I say one thing? You brought up Michigan State. This is kind of something I thought before about West Virginia football as a program. So Michigan State's been uh, good under Dan Tonio. Um, he's been there. They've since had a couple o- down years. He's been there since 07. So and they've stuck with him through a couple of tough years. Programs risen to great heights. They were in the playoff two years ago. I mean, they, they got the pants beat off them by Alabama. This year, they were in a lower-tier bowl game. The reason I bring up Michigan State is because I feel like how they've been over the last 10 years is the type of program that West Virginia could be and what we should recognize. That that's Our our height is having one year where we go to the playoff and maybe we'll get smacked. We compete for a conference. We're not, we're not Oklahoma. No, he said Michigan State, right? Mich- what he's saying is Michigan State is West Virginia's ceiling. No, I don't yeah. agree with that. I, I, I kind of agree with that. You don't think we could beat them most years? Uh, no, uh, I don't. Um, oh, I mean, wow. you know what? They've they've actually here's, – here's the reason why um, their coach is still there and ours decided to leave is he's won three um, conference championships and we haven't won any. And the Big Ten got it. Right. I no, I, I can't sit here and com- I can't confidently sit there and say I think we beat Michigan State most years. Well, I can tell you they uh the seven six barn burner in the Red Box bow 
I wish I'd have paid tickets for that this year. <laughs> I didn't say we wouldn't. I didn't say we wouldn't have beat them this year. Now we wouldn't have this year. That's for sure. Well, not in the bowl game. Uh, maybe even not so much head to head, but arc of the program, competing for a conference title one year, next year into the playoff. Oh, lost our junior seniors. Boom, we're a four and seven or a six and six in a bad bowl. We rebuild another year. We're back up. That is what I think for Western. I just don't ever think that we're going to be a program in West Virginia playing all the teams in Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas that wins 10 games a year and finishes first, second, or third in our conference. No, I mean, the one thing, kind of like the one, the one, like, the one thing we didn't talk about is with all, all this coaching search and everything going on, like, I do, does everyone realize how difficult of a job being the head coach at WVU is? Like the the fact that you're you you can't even sell out all your home games. I mean, you really can't unless you're playing Oklahoma or Texas. You yeah. you are at a geographic disadvantage trying to recruit. You don't have the money that the other schools in your conference have. You're you're playing on the East Coast trying to recruit kids from states. That, that aren't going to play in their home states, you know. I mean, and on top of all that, you know, the fan base is fickle. We can't even we can't even buy into everything that's going on up there. So I, I think it's a, a big challenge, and I think to have somebody that can try to take us to the next level would be great. But I think a lot of people got to come to the realization, like, you know, I, I don't know what changed. And when, when we started saying that if we didn't – there's fans out there that if we don't win 10 games a year, they think we're failures. And, and that's just not who we are. We're not Alabama. We're not Oklahoma. We're not even USC or Notre Dame or any of those. It's just not what we are. I, like, it's it's okay. Like, I, my thing is if – man, if Holgerson beats Oklahoma State, he's probably not leaving because I bet he gets an extension. Yeah, because they'd have been playing in the Big 12 title game. We played. Old, we would have played Oklahoma, Oklahoma back, back to back, back. weeks, and then, and then you would. I mean, been, in the last five years, who would you say has owned us other than Oklahoma, like year in year out? Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's been better against us. I mean, we've only beat them once out of the last three years or four years. Well, I think it's. Aren't we over Oklahoma for the last four years? We Is haven't that, beat Oklahoma in conference play. Ever, right. ever, ever. Oklahoma yeah. or Oklahoma State. Aren't we 0-8 against them over the last four seasons? No, we've beat Oklahoma State a couple of times. Oh, over the past four seasons, yeah, I think that might be right. But but the, I, but but the rest of them outside of the Oklahoma schools, we've been we've been pretty mixed. It's been back and forth. Well, we've been down to Texas in big games and won on the road. And even the Oklahoma State games, they haven't really dominated us. Oklahoma's the one school that, you know, they've owned us, but Oklahoma owns a lot of people. I mean, Oklahoma's kind of like us to Marshall right now because they don't. We got to beat them once before I guess they take it seriously or something because we just can't yeah. do it under the season. We can't do it. No, it's frustrating. You think we would pull one off at some point? Yeah, it's uh, it's like a mental block or something on our end of it. To finish that up, the one thing like you said about the fan base and how hard of a job it is. Whoever takes the job's got to understand if you take a job coaching in texas where there's pro sports teams around it's different when you coach at wvu they're the pro sports team they're the only team in a state that isn't doing so well so there's so much more focus and attention put on it i wonder if some people aren't quite ready for that 
Well, it's not even that. Just that, think about this. Holgerson can do more recruiting in his backyard in Houston than we can in the entire you know, Northeast. We're, we're not equipped to be elite. You know, unless unless Phil Knight wants to leave Oregon and come give us a bunch of money, it's not going to change. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that we we could reach that next level. We're just not there, and it's going to take it's going to take some work. And we got to realize that when when we were kids and Don Ealing was coach, and he thought once every three ish, four ish years, when guys became junior seniors, we we're going to have a good team. We're still that same program. We just think that we should win 10 games every year because it's still because we, 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 it. we beat up on a bad Big East conference and we got some good bowl wins in there. And because of all that, it's it's flipped everyone's expectations. So so speaking of expectations, I, I don't want to harp on this stuff all night. Who who you got? Clemson, Alabama. Alabama. Mr. Brown, I'm going to Alabama as well. Uh, you got you want to throw a score out there? I'll I'll give you mine. I'm saying uh, Alabama, thirty-eight, Clemson twenty-four. I'll uh, go uh, thirty-four, twenty, Alabama. I'm gonna go thirty-eight, thirty-one. It's gonna be closer than people think. Ooh, I, that, that that's a, that's huh? that's the boldest prediction we can probably get tonight. So I'll take it. <laughs> Outside of uh, college football, we do have uh, the the playoffs to start. Uh, playoffs. Uh, so, uh, Biggie, uh, I, I, let me make sure I got this right, Mister Brown. I think you your prediction were the Bears over the Chargers in the Super Bowl. Is that correct? That is correct. And then I, I was similar to that, except I had the Saints over the Chargers. So before we get into anything else, right now you have to deliver your Super Bowl picks and tell me who's going to win it all and who they're going to beat. I've already given your picks. Ah, uh, as much yes, as you guys, we clearly you know, just stated. What are you watching on TV right now? Oh uh, well, did Texas score again. Did Texas score? No. Oh, Biggie's done Georgia got horns up. up, horns up, baby. Oh, ah, oh. uh, so Georgia was forced to punt. It was a low snap back to their kicker. Kicks it away. No attention. They do a replay review when he caught the ball he had to go down to a knee to catch it so texas has the ball at the georgia 27 first and 10 and that's, up seven nothing that's great that's, up, baby. that's that's fantastic but nobody is calling or listening to this for a play-by-play i know i'm sorry super bowl uh, picks let's hear it yeah he don't even know who we picked so if he does pick us we'll still just blame him well, for you guys copy us yeah wow you like the saints and the bears i like uh the saints out of the NFC. Everything's running through New Orleans. Defense is time laid off. That offensive role. Breeze and Peyton never lost a home game together in the playoffs. I like Saints in the, the NFC. In the AFC, uh, I know the Chiefs rolled all year, but it's hard for me to pick them until they can actually win a game at home in the playoffs. And I've been big on the Chargers since before the season started. I got Chargers, Saints, and the Super Bowl. Oh, Phillip I, River. I was expecting I the homer alert. I, I can't believe I, it. I can't do it. Uh, and I got uh, the Chargers and Phillip Rivers oh, winning his first Super Bowl. Nice. His I like it. As the like best it. quarterback out of Breeze or out of uh, – So he's, like, he's the next in line to win one that hasn't won one is what you're saying, right? Yeah. So and then everybody realizes, whoa, look at his numbers. Damn, he's been a great quarterback. So, so, so that's you, my – A biggie. 
What? You've already mentally prepared yourself next weekend for the letdown, right? When they beat New England? The weekend after. That's what I'm saying. You've already mentally prepared yourself? Oh, that's happened over the last three weeks when New England has just crapped games down their leg. I just want to make sure you're ready. That's all. And now Josh McDaniels is going to be Cincinnati's next new head coach, so his mind's already thinking about that. Hmm. Yeah, you know, between him, obviously going to be moving on somewhere else this year, I feel. And uh, Gronk completely falling apart to, like, just – he's a guy on the field that wears that jersey. It's just – it's the end of what was a great run. It's the end of an era. So as Thank God. As hard as it is – well, come on now. Excellence, sustained excellence, like Alabama and college football, man. I love it. Uh, I'm not an Alabama fan, and I, I just – I love the excellence. Clemson, same thing. To, to get on top is one thing. To stay on top is another. All right, let's get to the picks this weekend. Wild card matchups. We got the Colts on the road to the Texans. Who you got? The Texans in their usual early Saturday slot when they win the division. Ah, I'm going Colts in this one. Captain Andrew Luck, they've won 9 out of 10. Let's go, baby. Yeah, I'm also going Colts uh, with the 9 out of 10. And I'm telling you what, um, he's got the best stats behind Mahomes and no one knows about it. So I'm going Colts on the road. Why don't people understand that? I, I'm with you. I thought I was going to be the one to pick the Colts, and all three of us did. So that's uh, remarkable there. But, yeah, Andrew Luck is a beast. All right, Mr. Brown, you go first. Seahawks, Cowboys. Uh, well, this is a battle between two quarterbacks, one who does more with less and one who does nothing with weapons. So I'm going to go Seahawks. <laughs> all right. Seahawks, Seahawks in the dome. Miggy, who you got? Uh, Seahawks all the way. To me – I don't know what the spread isn't on this game, but unless you're a Cowboys fan, I think you're picking the Seahawks, aren't you? Uh, I'm not a Cowboys fan, and I'm also picking the Seahawks, and Jason Garrett finally gets fired. Amen. Yeah. All right. Char- I, uh, Charger, Chargers, Ravens. This we've is, already picked this. Uh, we've already picked- we're, all, we're all picking Chargers, right? Nothing's changed. That's correct. <laughs> Let's go Ravens after we all have Chargers in the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. I'll, do you think they'll expose uh, Lamar Jackson? I guess is my only question. I think they will a little bit, but I think it'll still be a relatively close game. Uh, but yeah, okay. he's not. He, it'll it'll be like a twenty eight seventeen type game. Here's why I think they're going to kill him because they played him two weeks ago, and and the Ravens won without Melvin Gordon. So I think they they circled that and was like, let let's get this on, let's do this. Yeah, it's hard to beat somebody twice in the span of a few weeks. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree with Mr. Brown. You had uh, no Melvin Gordon, no Eckler. I, uh, plus, the Chargers don't have a home field advantage. They're better playing in Baltimore. And They're Phillip, better off playing in Baltimore. So. Philip Rivers only had nine kids then. He has 12 now, so he's got that extra motivation. Yeah. <laughs> Watch the interview. They've already beat the Chiefs, the Steelers, and the Seahawks on the road this year. So this is more of the same. Yeah, their yep. their record is not even an indication of how good they are. Yeah. Yeah, to me, as long as Melvin Gordon's hundred percent healthy and he goes the whole game, I think that I think they win that same like twenty eight seventeen type score. All right, so we all picked the Chargers. Mr. Brown went first when we did the Seahawks Cowboys. Biggie you went first on Colts and Texans, so I'll go first on the last one. I'm going with the upset. I got the Nick Foles magic. I got Get the Eagles taking down your Bears. Your Super Bowl pick is done, Mr. Brown. Well, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. Um, it's Soldier Field. 
the uh, Bears showed what they could do against an elite offense, which is not Nick Foles. Let's get that clear. Yes, um, thank you. The magic will run out. Um, the Eagles are just lucky to be there. This isn't the same Eagles team that chugged in last year. They're lucky to be there. The Bears are going to show them you didn't belong, and it's done. It's done. Yeah. I'm thinking like 21 to 10. See, I don't have a rational argument to come back with that other than I can just say it's it's Nick Foles' magic. It, it's because you somewhat get a semi talking about Nick Foles. Let's be real. Yeah. He does look like he's high all the time, though. You, you get a semi talking about it. I, you know, Napoleon. I, 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 yeah, he is Napoleon Dynamite. But I, I, I've been on, well, I started the Nick Foles thing a couple weeks ago. Once he came back in, I was like, here it comes. They're going to make the playoffs. And you can go you back did. and you can find it on online. But, you know, I, I can't abandon it now. I can't give can't. it up. I have to stick to it. I agree. It. I agree. Yeah. Right. I got the Bears. I think it's about a 24-10, 24-13 game. The only chance the Eagles have is if Nagy does something dumb and decides to have Mitch Trubisky try to throw the ball over the field in his first playoff game. Two running backs, good wide receivers, an elite defense. They win this game. I think. I mean, I think the only way they can screw up is if they give Jordan Howard the ball too much. <laughs> I think I, I, uh, Jordan Howard could retire. That wouldn't bother me any. <laughs> the the Bears defense is by far the best defense in the league. Like I, I, I don't think there's a debate about that. I will say this though, I am not a fan. I have not been convinced that Trubisky is their guy, that he should be their guy. He's got the perfect name for a Chicago quarter. That's about it. That's home. what he's got going for him. I mean, I'll just go ahead and tell you this now because the Saints are the one seed, the Rams are the two, the Bears are gonna win this weekend. And next week, and then they're going to go into New Orleans. No, they would have to play. They'd have to beat New Orleans next week, I think, right? New Orleans is the one, and the Rams are the two. The Bears are the three. So they would go. If I'm thinking of this right, they would go out to LA and play the Rams. So these brackets aren't actually like set in stone because if the if they get the they get the lower seed regardless, right? The number one seed or the higher seed. I mean, if the Bears win, they automatically go to the two seed. Okay. Um, and then the Saints play whatever lowest seed team is left. So there's no – they play the winner of one game. They play four, five, or six. Yeah, that makes sense then, yeah. I think they'll beat the Rams yeah. again. So, my so, pre- so we all we all picked Colts, Seahawks, Chargers, and then I got to the Eagles, and you guys both went with the Bears, and that's, that's our wild card. So we'll see how that holds up. I'm not that excited for the playoffs to start for some reason. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was because – I'm still feeling the effects of Black Monday and all the coaches that got fired. I think we had six on Monday. What did we get? Eight coaches fired all year? I think there's eight openings right now. Yeah, six coaches fired Monday, and then you got the Packers and Browns uh, open positions. I'm looking more forward to that soap opera than the playoffs right now. To me, uh, Cleveland is obviously the most attractive job. If you're a head coach, that's the job you want, right? It's got to be. I mean, you got all the cap space and you got young talent and you've already saw that that team can win. I I think it's been shown this year more than ever that if, if, if you pay your quarterback a ton of money, you know, you've got to make it within that short window. You're not going to make it because you didn't, that takes away from the opportunity to build around your team. You can't pay that offensive line or you can't, can't pay that second receiver because, you're paying a quarterback too much. 
I think this year, I think the top six quarterbacks didn't make the playoffs. I think it was, yeah, top, it was a top ten, quarter. maybe? Wow. It's Roger Stafford, Cousins, Matt Ryan. I can't think of the other two, but I saw those four as highest paid quarterbacks. None of them made the playoffs. There's a couple more in there. You're right, Mr. Brown. You you invest so much money in your quarterback. That's why I think that the Packers job, as attractive as it would look from the outside, because you have Aaron Rodgers, he's 35 years old and he's getting $35 million a year. If he goes down, you you got no depth. They can't build around him. Your top 10, you had Garoppolo's up there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he got ruined by a porn star. Matt, Matt. <laughs> you got, did, you, did you see those cans, though, Biggie? <laughs> we should move on. You can see, you can see those in Canada. Uh, you got, you, go. you got Matt Stafford, mm-hmm. Derek Carr. Sorry, Mr. Brown. Uh, Joe Flacco, but he's not the quarterback. That's a, the highest paid backup in the history of um, NFL. And then Andrew Andrew Luck, I think, is in top ten. Is he? I think he might be. Uh, I'm really – I'm going to say this. I'm really shocked by the bounce back this year. But I Andrew, didn't anticipate it. Yeah, there was a time when you weren't sure whether or not he was going to play football again. Well, he or, had you know, bounced he, back very nice. He couldn't um, even throw a Nerf ball. That's uh, crazy, but he's slinging the old Duke around now, so – Hey, Chad, what the hell was that? That was uh, my phone giving me a a virus as I was trying to look up the uh, salaries, and now it won't stop playing a stupid song. I think he was looking up Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's why I hear that weird music. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I can't hide anything from you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Not start talking about big holes. You knew what was coming from Chad. Oh, so I was just. your top ten, your top ten quarterbacks. I finally got the numbers here. It's Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Garoppolo, Stafford, Carr, Breeze, um, and Breeze is only in there because he's in like the last year of his contract, and you know they're backloaded. Then Andrew Luck. Uh, Joe Flacco, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger. So the top one, two, three, four, five, six are not in there. Uh, seven is, eight is, nine's not, ten's not, eleven is, twelve's not, thirteen's not. That's all I can see. Wow! And when you look at those, Drew Brees is in the playoffs last year and this year because they hit a complete home run and last year's draft with Kamara and Lattimore and that Rams kick kick offensive linemen otherwise where would they be and once they have to pay those guys then it'll change just to mr brown's point to you got to draft really well or have like the seattle model before they paid russell wilson when they could pay everybody else once you pay the quarterback it's done Uh, so new year's resolution for nfl teams need to be don't pay your quarterbacks correct all right so i have one for you chad we've determined that the uh best jobs the browns you're obviously a Bengals fan, so what do you anticipate happening there? I, I think we're going to get McDaniels. I really do. Okay. You sure they're not going to rehire Marvin Lewis? Yeah, he'll be, be a, he, he'll be a consultant. It's going to be uh, huge. Only one. Go ahead. He just, just keeps saying it's going to be Hugh Jackson. It's not going to be Hugh Jackson. Shut up. <laughs> 
Hugh Jackson has no shot at that job, right? No, they're not going to hire Hugh. Hugh Jackson needs to disappear for two years, and then maybe he can come back in the league. Is there any outside late coaching change where you could see Mike Zimmer, something weird happens there in Minnesota? Oh, yeah, but Uh, Minnesota's not going to fire him yet. Yeah, I know. He said he's not retiring or resigning, and they said that he's going to be coaching there next year. But, you know, he's got ties to Cincinnati. If something funky happened there, I could see him. But I think that uh, you think it's Josh McDaniels. I, I think that's who they're front running. Interesting. I mean, they've already they've already talked to him from what I understand or are going to talk to him. Well, from McDaniels point of view, if you want a job where you're going to get some uh, a long leash, go to Cincinnati. As long as you're willing to be a, a cheap hire. Now, now the thing that, that aggravates me the most, and this is why I get so mad at Mr. Brown for his Hugh Jackson bullshit, is Marvin Lewis can't do enough damage before he's gone. Because even on his like outgoing press conference, he's like, well, you know, Hugh should at least get an opportunity to talk to him. I saw that. I'm telling you, the odds are better than what you're saying. Watch it and see. Uh, it could be... It could be Van, it could be Vance Joseph, and then uh, I, I think it could be um, another one. I, I don't think I've heard this from anybody or not. I think it could be Eric Bieniemy, who played running back for West Virginia yep. for a while, and he's or West Virginia Cincinnati, and he's the uh, offensive coordinator for Kansas City right now. That's that's another one. I'll say one thing: you were saying Marvin Lewis can't do enough bad on his way out. I know that it hasn't been great with him there, no playoff wins. But look at what happened from about 1990 to 2004 oh, or five. I'm, so, I'm not, I'm not the guy you have to convince of that. And he came in in 2001. Uh, but the, the the thing with with me was I I never wanted to run him out. Like even last year, I was not the guy that was like fire him already. I was like he gets one more year. I, I like. Two years ago, everybody said one more year. I was still willing to give him another year because I remember what three and thirteen felt like. As dysfunctional yeah. and bad as the Bengals are, you know, we have an incompetent owner, and at least now they actually became relevant to a certain degree. They developed rivalries with Pittsburgh. They've been playing Pittsburgh for forty years. It's only yeah. been a rivalry the last ten. I mean, it's it's a sad sad day that he's gone. He he did more for for our franchise than any other coach has because we were and you got to remember marvin lewis was a was a hot hire when we brought him on he ravens were just came off the super bowl he was their defensive coordinator you know he comes in and and we started getting better right away i mean we're seven and nine i thought that was a super bowl so i'm not hating on marvin lewis it was just this year was if he didn't go it was it was past due but i don't need him recommending that they interview hugh jackson it's going to happen. You better deal with it. I, yeah. Well, don't they have to hire or hire at least to interview Hugh Jackson uh, or Vance Joseph or somebody as part of the Rudy rule, right? Uh, yeah. They don't have to be. They have to interview a minority know. candidate. But they've, they've, you know what? Everybody's going to do that because they fired all the minority coaches this year. There's an uprage about that, too, by the way. Yeah, I've seen that. Most of them were just in bad situations. And I think. You know, they were only there. Uh, everybody that got fired except for Marvin Lewis, I think, was in their role for three years or less, most two years, if I'm not mistaken. Does that sound right? Yeah, Wilkes was one year and out, which I think is crazy. One year. Yeah. Well, 
that is crazy. You'd think he'd get longer than that, but I have a friend who lives down in that area, and what he was saying is that people weren't really happy with him like three, four weeks into the season, just how he was operating. And the one thing I'll say is that I always think that you should get two or three years if you get the hire. Maybe they realized they made a bad hire right away, but they were five, six games into the season, and the guy you hired to run your offense, you already have to fire him, and Leftwich takes over. It kind of seemed a little dysfunctional. I mean, I will say this, and I don't know the first thing about their, or was it, Arizona Cardinals, right? Not Phoenix yep. anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you got David Johnston, who's like, everybody's like drooling over him for fantasy purposes, and they didn't even give him the ball. How do you not give him the ball? They were yeah. a mess. I mean, I don't know how you don't give your best toy the ball. Yeah, that's, uh, that blows my mind. There's a reason why they have the number one draft pick. There yep. you go. And apparently they just didn't feel good enough with uh, him staying around to to make that selection. So, you know, it, it, it is what it is. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure everybody that got – the NFL recycles all their coaches. Everyone that just got fired is going to land somewhere else. And, and I'll say this. The NFL is about winning. So if, if they have any doubt at all that they're, they're not going to win, they don't care who you are, you're gone. So if they feel like you're going to win, they're going to keep you. It's about wins and losses. That's it. Yep. Uh, so I think, uh, I think it's about time to wrap up, but since it's the new year, wanna wanted to throw it out there to, uh, we'll go to Biggie first. Biggie 2018 is coming gone. What is the best thing you saw in 2018 as far as sports go? Well, from my perspective, the best thing was, the the return of the roar tiger woods. And I look at it from, Two angles, uh, just as far as an athlete goes, or as bad as his back was, he couldn't even sit in a vehicle. Um, fell as far as he did in his personal life, was having issues with meds and was able to kind of rebuild himself as a person and a golfer. Finally, when, when you look into 2019 with Tiger being back, for me, golf is back. You know, there's Sunday sitting watching. You're looking forward to the Masters. Uh, I'm, I enjoy golf, but like I'm the average golf fan across the country. Where when Tiger is involved and Tiger is doing well, it makes it a national interest. So, did you watch the uh, Tiger and Phil, uh, you know, ten million dollar challenge or whatever it was called? Well, I saw some of it. I didn't pay for it but we happened to go out to eat somewhere and it was on the television there and that's something that should have been done 10 years ago yeah that's that's almost like uh pacquiao and mayweather you know they, they did it a little late you know you just when you're at the top of the world like he was completely fall apart it would have been easy to crumble but just rebuild yourself to regain your status uh completely change how you play the game i just I like. I think it's huge. All right, so I have two questions, two follow-up questions. Um, is there a Canadian Open on the tour? I'm not aware if there is. No, oh, they do play a tournament up there. I don't know if it's called the Canadian Open, though. Okay. And then is the real reason you only watch golf is because they always play in nice climates, and in April and May it gives you something to look forward to. You know what? How would you know that? Like you're inside my head. It's, you know, I'm sitting up here, and it, it it's not a surprise if the third week of April we get 12 or 14 inches of wet snow. 
But guess what? I can be doing that time. I can be watching Tiger down in Augusta, Georgia at the Masters where it's beautiful and they're sweating and it's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. plus uh, the Phoenix Open is is a fun tournament. It's like uh, the only golf tournament you tailgate. At. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I tailgate whenever I play golf, if that counts. But that's yeah. definitely on the public courses because that's all I can afford. That's what I do too. I just know having golf that it's just, it's insane to me how good these guys are. Cause you know, when I was younger, I thought of golfers as I really like John Daly, you know, smoking a heater before he tees off. He's got a big gut. He's still hung over and you get out there and actually do it. There's so much skill that goes into it. Pressure packed. John Daly is a good role model for you. Yeah, hey, I think he's clean. So <laughs> all right, Mr. Brown, what's your uh, takeaway from 2018? I mean, for me, uh, a lot of the major sports weren't really surprises. You had the Sox winning the series, no surprise there. The Warriors winning it again, no surprise there. I guess you could say the Eagles, um, but I'm not going to go there because I know you love Nick Foles, so I'm going to leave that alone. It's magic, baby. Uh, so I'm going to stick with my baseball here and uh, come up with another story, and I'm going to bring up uh, Shohei Otani. Um, people that don't follow baseball like like I do, they don't realize that he did something this year that hasn't been done in 100 years. He is the first player since Babe Ruth to pitch or to start 10, 10 big league games and to hit 20 home runs in the same season. Uh, he, fin- he finished with uh, 22 home runs, and he had, had an ERA of 3.3 in AL West, which is pretty impressive in AL. So he was the real deal. He came over. To, for me, I mean – to prepare as a hitter is one thing, but to have to come out and prepare for both, it's a whole other level. So, unfortunately, he's having Tommy John surgery, and this coming year he'll only be a designated hitter. He won't pitch, but he is an athlete, and he was the real deal when he came over uh, this year. Awesome player. How many? Because I know he got hurt. How many games did he end up playing? Any idea? I don't know. I don't know how many total games he started. Ten games and. He uh, he knocked in 61 runs with 22 home runs. So I mean, I had to look it up. I I was just curious. Cause, I mean, especially for like the the offensive part of it. Um, I was trying to see if I could find it real quick, but uh, it's too much effort. Yeah. And he um, he was the rookie of the year, correct? Yes, he was. Uh, well, when you do things that only Babe Ruth does, that that should probably be a dead giveaway. Yeah, I uh, I think what he did was just amazing in today's game. It's just it's unheard of past maybe high school or college for a guy uh, to do much of either and to come over and be that good on both sides, especially like Mr. Brown said in the AL, the AL West, a lot of good hitters. I was I was amazed. I thought it was going to be more gimmicky. It blew me away. Well, especially because it started off really good too. It's not like he found his rhythm. He was just good from the get go. Well, what yeah, was funny is in, in spring training. Training. He scuffled along as a hitter, and they're thinking he's a big joke. He kept he kept like rolling over to the second baseman. I don't know if he was playing possum in, in the spring training or what. But as soon as the regular season started, man, he he flipped the switch. I mean, did he hit a home run in the first game he appeared in? I know he singled in his first at bat. I don't think he homered, but uh, well, either way, uh, hopefully he comes back and can continue that unbelievable. Uh, uh, pitching offense uh, type type career, but uh, we'll see. Tommy John, that's the uh, ticket to be a good pitcher. Now, if you get it done early enough, you're all right. 
<laughs> yep. Uh, all right. I got a, I had a lot of different thoughts uh, for mine. <clears throat> I'm going to go kind of more of a, a broad appeal, but I, I, I thought March Madness this year was uh, phenomenal with uh, you, ha- you had uh, UMBC, uh, who, you know, beat a number one. Uh, it's the first time we had a number one seed go down. Uh, Virginia now gets to be known for uh, losing to Chima Night or whatever they were called out there in Hawaii. And now they get to you, you, uh, Chaminade, yeah, lose to UMBC. Uh, so that that was uh, that was a big one. And then Sister Jean, man, how could you not love Sister Jean? She was everywhere, and you had Loyola on the run that they were in. And these were good teams and fun teams to watch. So it, it just brought the magic back, and it always makes you realize why it's probably the greatest week of sports that there is because it's just nonstop, games going on all the time. Those first two rounds of the tournament are always magic and – you know what? We get to feel pain all the time being uh, fans of our team and some of the losses we get to endure. But during March Madness, you get to realize that, you know what? We're not alone. There's other people that get to suffer through that as well. So that was uh, that was probably my, my highlight I got to see this year. Looking forward to next year. Biggie, what, what's your big prediction or what would you like to see happen in 2019? Well, I won't go so much with what I would like to see happen, but what I think uh, is becoming more prevalent in, in college sports I think that by the time we are talking here and, you know, the beginning of 2020, there's going to be something in place. There's at least going to have some meetings done to where college players are going to get more freedom to transfer or some type of payment plan. Because right now a coach can leave no matter what his contract is, go to another school. Uh, if a kid leaves, he's forced to sit out a season or like, you know, with uh, uh, injuries, you can be released from your scholarship on a year to year basis. There's so much money involved in it, but the players don't get paid, which is the way it's always been. But they also restrict their movement so heavily. I think that in uh, college football and college basketball with uh, the conversation continuing to go that way, I think by the time we get around to 2020, there's going to be some major changes there. That's what I would like to see. I'd like to see freedom of player movement. As an 18-year-old kid, a guy comes into your living room, he sells you on coming to play for him. Uh, at the end of that first season, you redshirted, and he decides to go take another job, and you chose the coach as much as you chose the school. Now you have to sit out another year or transfer to a lower division to get to play. We're having adults sell kids. I don't like it. I think it needs to change. That's what I hope to see. I agree with everything you just said, but that's definitely uh, what you would like to see, not what's going to happen. I'm I'm wishful. But Canada, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Their educational system is much more refined. Mm -hmm. All right, Mr. Brown, how about you, brother? All right, my bold prediction for 2019 is that the Golden State Warriors will not win the championship. I'm taking the field, and I will tell you why. DeMarcus Cousins, they, as soon as they signed him, everyone thought it was over, right? Um, he's not played yet. You got Clay Thompson, can't shoot the ball right now. Draymond Green is in a slump. Everyone hates Kevin Durant. And so basically they're relying on Durant and Curry. The West is playing really well right now. I just think that uh, Houston has a chance, man, to take them out. And don't sleep on the Denver, Denver Nuggets. I'm being for real. People don't realize if you don't watch the NBA, you don't think about the Denver Nuggets, but look them up, I'm telling you. They're, they look good. They're still in first place. Have they been pretty much wire to wire, too, I think? So, I mean, 
And on top of this, let's say that the Warriors make it out of the West. I think the Raptors have a shot, man, because uh, Leonard's came over there with, uh, you know, Lowry, and they've, they've done some things. So the, I think that's going to be a bigger series than what people would give credit for. You know, Do you I, think that the Raptors are the East above the Celtics? Just oh, yeah. Raptors above the Celtics all day. Celtics all are right. inconsistent. When they have it firing, they're really tough, but it's hard for them to do it on every night. Dude, the Raptors are nice. They are. I mean, if anybody would appreciate that, we figured it'd be you, Biggie. I'm just trying hey. to reach out to your roots, baby. We do. We city. have we have listeners in Canada. We have listeners in Ireland too. Some for some reason, but we be the north. You know, we we want to we want to make sure we respect our Canadian brethren. Um, you know, if I, they get there, do you want to sing the national anthem for us, Biggie? I'll do it on this podcast if they the make Can- it. the Canadian anthem. All right, I'll, I'll do some good. <laughs> you don't have to do it now. <laughs> okay. Let me get some better sound equipment so I can make sure I can edit that a little bit. There you go. Um, you just cut that out. Uh. So, uh, you know, I, I had uh, I had something similar with uh, – I actually had the, the Warriors or the Lakers uh, will not make the finals. Uh, but, uh, you you know, I, I'm, so I'm with you on that stuff. You know, I, I thought um, – Thought about some other other stuff going on, but I'm going to run down. Just I have an NFL prediction for you, and it's it's just several things kind of all rolled into one. But I think it's going to end up creating the narrative for the 2019 NFL season, uh, and it, it will go something like this: Tom Brady doesn't retire, but by week 10, he wishes he would have. Gronk will hang it up in the off season after the playoffs this year. The Raiders will play in London, probably a lot, maybe every home game. Eli Manning will not finish the year at starting quarterback for the Giants, and Kaepernick will still be unemployed. I like those. Martyr or starter. There you go. So that uh, I, I'm done. I don't want to talk anymore. I'm kind of uh, a little little tired and hungry, and uh, I think I'm going to call it a night. But uh, didn't know if you guys had anything else uh, you wanted to hit before we call it a day. The only thing I got is I'm looking forward to Raiders uh, having a season of 16 away games. The Raider Nation is about to go international. Oh, my gosh. It could be Mexico City, too. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. Well, that's even better, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, what did we talk about tonight, fellas? We talked about Papa Dana leaving WVU and then the uh, tenuous coaching search that's uh, following that. We got some uh, wild card predictions in there that we're all picking the – the away teams, believe it or not, except for uh, me, or I, I picked the Eagles, you guys picked the Bears. So we picked all the away teams except for you guys picking the Bears. Bowl season's pretty much wrapping up. We're all thinking Alabama's going to walk off with this one against Clemson. 2018, it's gone. So we're back in 2019, and we're hoping that this year is a little better than last year and that uh, good times will be had by all, and we'll continue to be uh, doing a wonderful podcast and, a, and an exciting uh, Web page that's uh, on Facebook that uh, will continue to grow and uh, see some more activity as time moves forward. So, anyway, guys, it's been a pleasure, and uh, we'll do this again next week. See you guys. All right, later. Later, folks.